Oh, man, what a great summit this has been. My wife and I have been watching on, online on TV, and it's just been really, really good. All the speakers, Pastor Daniel, you're just, oh, good stuff. Uh, what a fabulous theme, reaching your potential. Uh, that has just been so good, and all the preaching on that. And I've been encouraged, and I'm sure you've been during these uh, last few days. It's just been really, really good. Um, and as we've been hearing, in order for us to reach our potential, um, things are going to have to change. We have to change. I've been hearing a lot about that. Actually, throughout our Christianity, there's change. You know, just being a Christian means we are constantly changing, constantly changing. You know, we get older and things change, and, and our relationship with God changes as we, as we just, get, grow, just growing older in age causes us to change in Christianity because there's different things that are going on through our lives. Some of you won't remember him. Some of you will remember George Carlin, the comedian back in the 60s and 70s. He said this one time, he said, I put a dollar in a change machine, nothing happened. That's, that's true, <laughs> nothing happened. Do you know, change is easier said than done. It takes a lot of work to change, but we gotta do it. We gotta do it with God's strength, and I've learned over the years with God's strength and with the Holy Spirit, we can change. No matter what the situation is, God is there. And we can change and we can adapt and God helps us through whatever it is we're going through. But this, this summit is about your potential. And in order to reach your potential, in order for me to reach my potential, we need to change. So this morning I want to speak on God's incredible plan for your life. God's incredible plan for your life. And I remember early in my Christianity, I always wanted to know what God had planned for me. And that hasn't stopped. That question has never stopped in my mind. What does God have for me? As things change in my life, what does God have for me? What's God's plan for my life? What's God's plan for your life? And I think for most of us, it's, there's, there's always this thing in the back of our mind is, is, is there more? Is there more? What more does God want me to do? Not like, you know, it's not a bad thing. Like a sad thing, is this all there is? It's not what I'm talking about. I mean, there, there's more. There's more that God wants us to do. There's more that God has planned for you and I. The problem is, as Christians, many times we settle for much less than what God has planned for us. We seem to settle for what's comfortable. We seem to settle for what's easy. That's our nature. We're human beings. We always want to settle for what's easy, but uh, most of the time, that's not what God has for us, is it? Just isn't. And that's why this morning I want to look at God's incredible plan for your life. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Uh, these verses here in Matthew are known as the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. The Bible talks about talents. He's not talking about your singing talent, although we had some great singers just Good to see Yovetta and Lawan and Corrine and all the other singers up here. It's like, oh my gosh. I see it online. I see them online twice a week. Enjoy the song service. 
But man, just sitting here, sister, it's different. It is different. That just felt so good. Talk about talent, not talking about the musicians that are up here and got some good musicians. You know, Daniel up here on the guitar and the drummer today on the drums. And Elvira, you've been playing that piano there for hey, gee, 35 years now, I know. I'm not joking. It's been probably that long since Echo Park. It's been many, many years. I mean, we've got some good musicians. And, you know, some of you, maybe you can paint. Maybe you think you can paint. We'll have to... I'll be the judge of that. Show me some of your paintings. We'll figure that out. Might be good at sports. We're not talking about that kind of talent. In the Bible, when the Bible talks about talent, it's talking about a measure of money. Measure of money. When the Bible talks about a talent here in this parable of talents, it's it's talking about money. And some Bible scholars say that it was a lot of money. Some say that one talent was equal to about $400,000 in today's currency. About $400,000 for one talent. So when it's talking about a talent, it's talking about a lot of money. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14, says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went, traded with them, and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19 says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came, brought five other talents, saying, Lord, You delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, it says, He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him, give it to him who has ten talents. Verse 29 says, For to, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will, he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Scripture here is really not talking about money. It's not talking about money. Although it's talking about the talents that's 
not what Jesus was trying to get across in this parable. He was talking about responsibility. Our responsibility with what he has given us. He's talking about being prepared. When you look at this parable, it's really about self-examination. Self-examination. And that's what the summit has been all about, hasn't it? Self-examination. Every sermon that I've heard this week, we've been challenged to examine ourselves, to see where we're at, what we can do, been given tools of how to do it. And that's what we're going to do again this morning. And so the first thing I want to look at is, what has God given you? What has God given you? Verse 15 in our text, it says these words. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. It says, to each according to his own ability. Every single person in this sanctuary this morning, God has given you a talent, a responsibility, something to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish in the kingdom of God. Each one of us has been given that. According to your own ability. Some have the ability to do a little bit more, and so God bless you with a few more talents. Others, maybe even more than that. Some maybe less. Whatever it is, God knows, and he gave each one of us, every single one of us that are here this morning, a talent. So what ability has God given to you? What is it? What is it that God has given you? What is your role in the kingdom of God? Because we all have a role, don't we? We can think we don't, but that's not true. Because this parable tells us that we do. Each one of these men was given a responsibility. Each one of these men was given something to do something for the kingdom of God. What's God's expectation of you in the kingdom? What's his expectation of you and I? Scripture says that you and I have, given a, have been given a responsibility according to our ability. So we're all responsible for something. And so we leave the preaching of the gospel to those who we believe are called to do it. We are called to preach. We, we, we leave this responsibility to those that we think are called to teach. We leave this responsibility to those that we believe are called to make disciples. But church, what we need to understand this morning is we've all been called to spread the gospel. Each and every one of us have been called to do this work. And each one of them is given a talent to do it. Each one of us has been given that talent to do it somewhere, somehow, with somebody. So you have those. We have some pastors here this morning. Probably five talents. Their responsibility is pretty great, isn't it? It's great. A lot of responsibility. And they're being held to that responsibility to preach, to teach, to help to pray, to do everything that they do. 
everything. They're held responsible for that. But then there's those that just have two talents. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Some of you, many of you have two talents. Some of you may only have one. There's nothing wrong with that. We've all been called according to our ability, according to the scripture. So what has God given you? What has God given you? Because we've all been given the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, somewhere, somehow. We've all been given the opportunity to get involved in church. In this church, if this is your church, we've all been given the responsibility to get involved some way, somehow. So that's the first thing I wanted to look at was what has God given you? Second of all, what are you doing with it? What are we doing with it? Remember in the parable of talents, one had five, one had two, one had one. You may not be responsible to do as much as somebody else, but we're still responsible to do whatever it is with the talent that God has given us. I think I only have two talents. Good. Well, Pastor, to be totally honest, I think I'm a one-talent Christian. Good. Nothing wrong with that. Give him one talent. What can you do with one talent? You can help in the church. You can teach. It doesn't take a lot of talent to teach. Except to have a mouth. Boy, we know you have a mouth, don't we? <laughs> With one talent, you can open up your home to a home Bible study. Can't you? Just, just here, here's here. Open your door. Put out some chairs. Maybe you are a musician and nobody knows about it. You can talk to Jojo about that. Makes me call him handsome Jojo. I I don't know why. I really don't know why. <laughs> Get involved in Sunday school. Get help in the nursery. Get help with the missionettes. I know they're not called missionettes anymore. I don't know what they're called. I'm old school. Impact. What does that have to do? Impact. Impact. Is it still Royal Rangers? Did you hear that? Impact. They're still Royal Rangers. You can be an usher. You can be a greeter at the door. Work in the cafe. Now, why would I want to work in the cafe, you ask? I wash dishes at home all the time. <laughs> Get in the cafe. When the world doesn't recognize your talent, God does. He does. He wants you to discover that exclusive purpose that He has for your life, because it is exclusive.
and it is just for you. He's got something that he's given you, that you have already, that you just need to use it. The Lord has blessed each one of us with unique personalities. Every one of you is different. Unique skills, every single one of you has a skill that's different from somebody else. Each one of us has different abilities. It's unique for you, for unique ministry, for, you, for a unique purpose that God has designed specifically for you. God has done this so we can accomplish a specific purpose in the kingdom of God that only you can do. What this does causes you and I to become the best version of ourselves that we can be. I know who I was before I got saved. I stole cars. And I guess I was going to get good at it. I don't know. But I never knew that God would use me like this. He's got a unique job just for, just for you. A unique ministry just for you. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says these words. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Why did he do that? So that we would walk in them. So that we would walk in them. So third of all, are you ready for his return? Are you ready? Are you and I ready for his return? One of the top takeaway, takeaways from this uh, parable of talents is the suddenness of the master's return. Came back, came back fast. Nobody was expecting it. He gave them their talents, went on a long journey. Before they knew it, he was back and going, hey, come here, I want my talents back. It happened fast, the scripture says. Verse 19, it's in our text, it says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled in counts with them. Came unexpectedly. They weren't expecting them. And there's two points of emphasis here. Two things took place. Number one, the master who we know represents Jesus is going to come back someday. He's coming back. We know that. The scripture tells us that he's coming back. And second of all, we're going to give an account. We have to give an account with what we did with the talents that he gave us. Master didn't announce his coming. Came back. Be the same with Jesus. Scripture says we don't know the day, we don't know the time. All we know is he's coming back. And so the question this morning for all of us is, are we ready for his return? Are we ready for his return? What are we going to be doing when he comes back? What are we going to be doing? Fourth, what will Jesus say to you on that day? What will Jesus say to us on that day? 
When you read the parable of the talents, there are two different responses given to the servants. Two different responses. Two of those servants heard this, well done. He looked at those two servants and said, well done. Did a good job. You did a good job with the talents I gave you. You were responsible. You did what you were supposed to do with the talents I gave you. You did what you were supposed to do with the opportunities I gave you. You accomplished what I was hoping and what I planned for you to accomplish. Two of them heard that. One of them heard, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. And you know, when we look at this, there's another thing that kind of jumps out. It doesn't matter how many talents you have. It doesn't matter. What mattered is what you did with the talents that were given to you. The one servant had five talents. That's a lot of responsibility. He had a lot of things that he was responsible for. He just had all of these things to do. And he did it. The one with two talents had a lot of responsibility also. He was responsible for whatever it was he was responsible to do. He did it. And the one with one talent didn't have a whole lot to do, did he? Didn't have a whole lot to do. Boy, our children nowadays are really lazy, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. You throw out the trash? Why me? Need you to mow the lawn. Can't you hire somebody to do that? Oh. Wash your clothes. I don't know how to use the wash machine. Oh, you have a wash machine. Remember us that are older? It wasn't a wash machine. It was by hand with the washboard. Remember that? <laughs> then you had to wring them out by hand. Or you had that little roller thing. Remember, I got my hand caught in that. The power, my, my aunt had a power one. You know, my mother had the kind you had to crank it with the two rollers. And, you know, and then you'd, my, my aunt had a power one. It was an electric one. I didn't know. <laughs> got my hand caught in it. I was screaming like a woman. <laughs> yeah, ladies, you scream. They had to come and take the whole thing apart. It looked like a cartoon. You know, it's all flat and then fat. You know, it's like. <sighs> then you had to get it and then take it out and put it on the clothes hanger. We were somewhere. I was with my grandson. They were somewhere. And it's like, what, what is that? We're driving by a house, you know, and they had a clothesline out there. It's like, it's a clothesline. What is a clothesline? <laughs> you spoiled little brats. <laughs> this guy had one talent. One talent. Did nothing with it. Buried it. One talent. God has given you a talent. It may just be one talent, but you got to do something with it. Do something with it. Something. If you don't know what to do, talk to your pastor. Pastor, I, I believe God wants me to do something. Good, why don't you come and vacuum after this is over with? 
vacuum throw out the trash, mow the lawn, brush my hair. You tell your kids to brush your hair? I mean, it's like, oh my gosh. They act like you, you're telling them to go and shave their head. And the one with one talent, the Bible declared him to be wicked and lazy because he did nothing with it. Wicked and lazy. Our church is good. New Harvest is a good church. And I'm sure many of you would say, I am so thankful for New Harvest. And I'm sure... And I'm sure when you talk to people that don't come here, you tell them, oh, New Harvest, we do this. New Harvest, we do that. New Harvest does this. New Harvest does that. New Harvest, I mean, New Harvest this and New Harvest that. I want you to listen to what Charles Spurgeon said, the old preacher Charles Spurgeon. He said, remember, my hearer, that in the day of judgment, your account must be personal. God will not ask you what your church did. He will ask you what you did yourself. <coughs> if I had a mic, I'd drop it. Leave. Get in my car and get out of here real quick. In other words, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. None of us has an excuse. I know this is challenging, but it's part of the calling and what Jesus has entrusted to you to do. It's what God's called us to do. What God has given you is real. What God has given you is valuable. And you have a responsibility to share it. To share the gospel. You have a responsibility to, to do something with that talent he's given you. Even just one talent. But some of you have two. Some of you have three. Four. God's calling some of you to a five-talent Christianity. Five-talent Christianity. What an honor that God would entrust you to do something like that. That he would believe in you, that he would give you the tools to accomplish that. What an honor. It's not a job. It's an honor. You may, you may not stand in front of hundreds and preach, but you have coworkers. You can talk to. You have friends you can talk to. You've got family you can speak to. There's so many opportunities that God brings before you and I to share the gospel. You have a great church to get involved in. A great church to get involved in. 
whether it's this church or whether you're from San Pedro or you know Anaheim, wherever you're from. There's some workers right there. Put them to work. <laughs> Pastor Tim, quick. God gives us many opportunities to share the gospel. I always think of my sister Nancy Salazar, Pastor Richard's wife. Had to be, what, 45, 50, 70 years ago, you're working at the police department? <laughs> 75? Start throwing things at me. She's cute. I love my sister. I do. I love her to death. She's worked for the police department, LAPD. She goes to work and she has a co worker that begins to share the gospel with her. Tells her what Jesus can do in her life. And somewhere, my sister asked Jesus to come into her life come into her heart. God saves her. She shares that gospel with her husband, Richard Salazar. One lady, her friend, shares the gospel with her. With her. Not knowing what was going to happen. Had no clue what was going to happen. It was a co-worker that she just felt needed to hear Jesus. And let me tell you, those two are the last ones that you would think would need Jesus in their heart. They were upstanding citizens, hard workers, good, good parents, good son, good daughter. I mean, they were the epitome of the perfect American family. The last thing you would have thought is, is she needed to hear about Jesus, but this young lady told her about Jesus. She asked Christ to come to her life. She shares it with her husband, Bridget Salazar. He tells her, what, what am I supposed to do? Why are you telling me this? He gets convicted. God, the Holy Ghost, begins to deal with him. He asks Christ to come into his life. I go to visit them. My wife and I just going to stop in and say hi. Bam. What is that all about? My wife, Tony, and I leave, and she goes, what do you think? I go, well, if they need Jesus, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, my gosh. We're going to hell. We get saved. I go and talk to my older brother, who's a heroin addict. Tell him, oh, you need Jesus. Knock on his house door, and he, I go in, and Tell him about Jesus, and he said, good, you done? I said, yeah, he said, get out of my house. <laughs> okay, I leave. Go back the next week, knock on his door, walk in, and he says, come on in. We sat down, I start telling about Jesus. He said, I'm gonna tell you this just one time only. You speak to me about Jesus again, and I'll tear you up. I know that's funny, but you need to know my brother. He meant it. He beat me up one time because I was on his bed when he came home <laughs> drunk at 1 o'clock in the morning. He said, get off my, you know, we were poor, right? So him and Nancy, my mother, were the only ones that had a bed. The rest of us slept on the floor. Well, it, you know, it's late, and he's not there. I jump on his bed and fall asleep, and it felt so good. <laughs> the bed. 
We didn't have pillows, but just the bed felt so good. He said, get off. I go, I'm not getting off. He tore me up. So when he told me, I'll mess you up if you tell me about Jesus one more time. Next week, I'm knocking on his door. I said, just come to the church, just one time, just come. So I'm going to go, and then I never want to hear about it again. He goes and asks Christ to come into his life. God, in a moment, I mean, we're at, we're at, we're at Pastor Richard and Nancy's house. We're at their house, and, and I, they asked him, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? And he said, yes. They're in their living room. I'm telling you, he started crying like a baby. My brother was hard. He started crying and crying. God delivered him at that moment from alcohol, from heroin, from anger. From, I mean, it was amazing. His wife gets saved. My children, my daughter is saved. Her and her husband, my grandsons are here today. <laughs> Pastor Richard's family got saved. He's got family here involved in ministry. And it goes on and on and on. How many thousands of lives have those two people touched around the world? Around the world. Because one girl decided to share the gospel with a coworker. She had no clue that that was going to literally literally touch the world. Ah. You can make a huge difference in the kingdom of God and it can make a difference in what God has for you and will say to you on that day. As I close, where do we go from here? I encourage you to consider what God has entrusted to you. Consider what he's asking you to do today, what he's been asking you to do all this week. Remember, not everybody's going to be a five-talent Christian, and that's not what I'm asking you to do, and God's not asking you to do that. But you are a three-talent Christian. You are a two-talent Christian. And some of you may just be a one-talent Christian. But do what God has called you to do. Do it. Get involved. It doesn't matter what you've achieved already. Well, you know, I'm already involved in all this. God's not done with you yet. There's still a lot God has for you. Maybe you're a two-talent Christian. He wants to give you three. Maybe you're a four-talent Christian. Some of you family, some of you men, some of you women, God has called you to be a five-talent Christian. Get on with it. Make a commitment. Say, God, here I am. Use my life. And church, I can tell you, all of these years later, it's worth it. It is worth it. Yes, it's been difficult at times. Yes, it's been hard at times. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially. But I can stand here today and tell you with an honest heart, it's all been worth it. Every single moment has been worth it.
I'm going to close with 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 5 in the message version. Everybody's been using the message version this week. It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Well, all this going for us, my dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Remember, only God knows the limit of your potential. Praise the Lord. Want to make an altar call or would, would you just, that's it? Or, maybe just have every head bowed, every eye closed just for a moment. And,